Naples Talk Radio. Hi, this is Mark Natos, and I am here today with uh, Steve Popper. Steve Popper, how are you today? I'm good, Mark. Nice to have you here today. I appreciate being here. Thank you. So, anyways, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Meals of Hope. So, so how, how did Meals of Hope start? Well, we actually started almost eight years ago, and uh, it began where a family member of mine came to me and, and asked me if I could send some food to Haiti. And at the time, I was in the lumber industry and shipping and or buying lumber from all over the United so, States. So, so what kind of what what kind of lumber you were? I was doing uh, softwood lumber and uh, panel products like plywood, what have you. So I would be going to Russia and China and South America, uh, importing lumber into the United States. So I had quite a bit of experience dealing with containers and shipping. So you were dealing with containers and shipping. Right. So we were importing lumber from all over the world. And uh, so actually, uh, my mother, believe it or not, came to me and said that she was trying to take care of a poor school in Haiti, along with some of my aunts. And they had learned, they had found out that really the kids couldn't learn because they didn't have enough to eat. And they had heard about a food program that was done in the Midwest. And so she said, if I get you some food, can you ship it to Haiti? And so you got some food and... Well, again, how, how'd you do that? So, so I said, how'd you make that transition? Well, you know how mothers are. So you kind of talk, you, you listen to what she says. You kind of roll your eyes a little bit as long as she doesn't see you. And you say, and I said to her, I said, come on to my office. Let's talk about it. So your mom really, she was the one that she, said. She was the one. And she told me about a food packing program that was done in the Midwest. And so I looked into it and I said, you know, this is really something very interesting and something that's not being done in Southwest Florida. So I said, I'm going to do a food packing. That's amazing. So you saw there was a need there. Saw a need. Had never been to a food packing program. Made a, made some phone calls. Talked to some people and said, if we do this um, and it's not successful, will you allow me to send the equipment or any unused food back? And they said, sure. So then went to the Rotary Club of Naples, the incoming president who had a lot of experience or had a lot of experience in the nonprofit world. And I went to her and I said, Don, I want to start a nonprofit. And so basically, your your mom said, okay, you need to help people in Haiti. Exactly. And you were impacted by that. You said, I need to help people in Haiti. Well, yes. But actually, from day one, I wanted to help people in our own community. So what I did was we went uh, I went to the local, our local Rotary Club, the Rotary Club of Naples. And with their help, we then went and uh, secured... The Naples High School cafeteria, on, believe it or not, on August 17th in 2007. And for two months, I went around to people in the community, inviting them to participate in a food packing program. So this started like any other Rotary event? Yes, absolutely. But you felt like you had a mission. Like you felt like... Exactly. I really want to help people with well, hunger in, in Collier County. Correct. So the Rotary Club of... Naples allowed me to utilize their nonprofit entity in order to start Meals of Hope. Amazing. So I then went out, as I said, went around the community, invited people to attend this packing event, tried not to have too many questions asked because I had never done a packing event, but went around, as I said, for two months and invited people. Had no idea what was going to happen that day. We ended up having over 500 people show up. And we packed over 135,000. 500 people. 
So did that did that feel like this is meant to be? Mark, it was absolutely truly an amazing experience. So I walked away from there, literally it felt like my feet were two feet off the ground. Went back to my office then on Monday and said, Okay, I need eight thousand meals to this for to send to the school in Haiti. What am I gonna do with the hundred and twenty seven thousand meals that I had in a warehouse? So I started calling people around and, and said, hey, would you care for some food? And finally someone said, have you called the local food bank? And that was that was Harry Chapin Food the, Bank? The Harry Chapin Food Bank. My comment to them was, what's a food bank? They had no idea. So you had you had packaged, you know, with the help of 500 people, 130,000 meals. And you didn't know what to do with it. Right, because you had never done. It was almost like it, it it happened before you even know what. Exactly. I knew that I wanted to try to take care of people that were hungry in our community. But at that point, had no idea, one, how pervasive hunger was, or is, and had no idea how to distribute the food. So how, how pervasive is, is hunger? Hunger is a silent epidemic. You know, in Collier County, uh, in Collier County in in, South, in southwest Florida, Naples, a uh, very affluent community, um, but it has a, a, a veneer of affluence. And underneath that veneer, there are people that are really hungry. So in Collier County, about 65% of all kids attending public schools participate in the free and reduced breakfast and lunch program. To me, that's amazing. You know, being a, being a financial advisor, you know, working with high net worth and realizing how much wealth there is in this town. 65% of the kids don't have food to me is an amazing thing. I mean, it's almost like, where is it? I mean, I, I know where it is, you know, if, if you look, but to me, it seems amazing that would happen in this town. Not, not only is it 65% on the free and reduced breakfast and lunch program, there's about a thousand kids attending public schools that are classified homeless. There's one person whose job in the school system is to take care of the homeless kids. Now, they're not necessarily living in woods, but they're living and doing and, and surviving uh, couch surfing. What that means is that they'll live with one friend for a week on their couch, and then the next week they're at someone else's house, and then they have kind of a circuit, and they're, you know, within three or four weeks, they may be back at that first person's house. I understand how that is. I, I did that as a teenager. I, I didn't feel safe at home. So, you know, as a teenager, I, I did that. So I, I do understand. My wife, she's a social worker at, at mm -hmm. Youth Haven. You know, I just gave a talk up there on Friday. I, I talked to the kids about personal finance, you know, about, about college. And, you know, the realization there is a population of kids out there that really do need support. You know, they really do need, um, you know, homes. They need food. So you feel like you help provide that security. Absolutely. And actually, it's not just kids now. So one of the fastest growing areas of hunger is senior hunger. In fact, the PBS NewsHour, which is the national PBS NewsHour, uh, they came to Naples uh, about three weeks ago and did a report on senior hunger. And people don't realize this, that your people are living behind gated communities, but they're people in gated communities that are food insecure. And that they're now saying, okay, it'll be due to uh, the financial meltdown, due to uh, medical expenses and, and what, what have you, that they're now trying to figure out or, or making tough choices between paying their mortgage, paying the rent, 
paying for medication, paying for food. So you're going to hear more and more about senior hunger in the next couple of years. So I, I guess I guess that's an initiative for you to face to face that challenge, which is senior hunger. Well, it's one. It's we're trying to take care of hungry people in the community. So what we ended up doing is getting back to how we started. So we contacted the Harry Chapin Food Bank and offered them. At that point, we were down to 108,000 meals, and they said, "Well, we'll try it, but." We're not going to guarantee that we'll take it. But they took it, and they said, okay, this is great. We'll take it. And because of that feeling from that very first packing event, I had a goal of packing a million meals that first year. Now, we certainly exceeded that. Now, uh, here it is almost eight years down the line, and we'll be at $28 million by our eighth anniversary. You know, I, I heard a Rotarian tell me the other day that when they heard you say that, they thought you were crazy. They said, you know, I see him now, and I remember hearing him say, I want to pack a billion meals, thinking he's crazy. And now he has 26 million meals packed. 28. 28. 28. Right. 28. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's actually changed my life. I, mean, I went from uh, a guy hard charging, going all over the world, buying and selling lumber, and did that for 28 years. Um, but the personal satisfaction of, gee, I can save you $2 a thousand on a truckload of lumber on two by fours, or here, I have 50,000 meals that I'll give you. You know, the, the, the personal satisfaction, I mean, it's, it's not even, you can't even compare it. So it's, it's really done a wonderful thing. I mean, sometimes, and even at our packing events, we talk to people and, you know, the, the feeling of, fellowship and bringing all these people together. And we have about 14, 15,000 people that participate each year in our, our packing events. But the food almost becomes secondary to that fellowship of bringing people together. I think people are looking for ways to give back and there's and they don't know how to do that. And we're trying to give people the tools to, okay, here, here's a way that you can give back to your community and in a very hands-on approach. You know, we all are solicited every day to write a check for someone or, or, or what have you. And sometimes that, that feeling of, that warm and fuzzy feeling when you write a check, it lasts about the length of time that your ballpoint pen ink takes to dry. But when you get together and, and bring your family and, and pack for two hours and to see and hear how many thousands of meals are packed, um, People love it. It's like, I mean, I remember being at a packing event and, and we packed a couple hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, it was a feeling of accomplishment. Like I, I did something that day that made a difference. Like I, I really felt that. It was something I shared with people. You know, it was literally something that I told for weeks. Right. And, and that's what you hear all the time, isn't it? We hear it all the time. I mean, we have, and, and what's nice about it is how inclusive it is. We've had kids as young as four and five years old participate, obviously with their folks involved. We've had people well into their 90s do this. And many times people come up to me and they want to just grab me by the arm and say, gosh, do you realize we've had three generations of our family working here together? I know myself, I have, I have three boys. Um, my youngest son is 13 years old. You know, as, as a 13-year-old, it's very hard to find something that he can volunteer at. Um, Habitat for Humanity, wonderful, wonderful program. But you know what? There's an age requirement. 
and he's not old enough to do that. You know, I've packed with my mother-in-law and my folks. Well, you know what? They're quite honestly too old to go out and hammer nails, but this is something that they can do. Um, we do packing events uh, with elementary schools. We do every year. We do uh, in, in a local elementary school just the third graders. And you had mentioned a story to me about those third graders before, like at the packing event. So, something happened. What what was that? Well, I mean, you know, we we go to this elementary school. And we've done it every year since we started. Uh, just third graders. Um, actually, it was pretty funny this year. Um, they ended up packing thirty one thousand. Meals, um, which is the most that they'd ever done. So we had the kids uh, participate, and uh, of course, they, as only third graders can do, they can cheer and yell pretty darn loud. And so we, we, we joked with them that not only had they packed the most meals ever at this school, but they were also the loudest. But I think what, what you might be alluding to is that. Um, we did a packing event at a, another elementary school, and this school had about 99% of the kids participate in the free and reduced breakfast and lunch program. And during that, uh, that time, we were setting up in the cafeteria, and so half the cafeteria was, was set up for us, and half, the, and half the cafeteria the kids were eating. And the bell rang, and I wasn't paying attention. I was trying to get everything get, uh, set up for this packing event. But there was this one little boy that was sitting there, and the bell rang, and he still sat there. He was still eating his breakfast. And finally, what I overheard one of the teachers go to him and say, look, what are you doing? The bell rang. And this little boy, probably about eight years old, said, please, can I stay? I haven't finished my breakfast yet, and I'm just so hungry. You know, when I hear that type of thing, Unfortunately, the teacher said, yes, finish up and then get to class. But, you know, that's the reality of what's going on out there, is that you have kids that, please let me stay and finish my breakfast because I'm just so hungry. You have schools that don't do testing on Mondays because they know that the kids haven't eaten enough during the weekend. So they're coming to school not able to really do their best work yet because they're hungry. They can't take an exam because they don't have enough to eat. Right. That, right. Their, their stomachs are growling. They can't concentrate enough because they just haven't had enough to eat. You know, we work on what's called a backpack program, and that's something that uh, that number of schools do. And the idea is that the schools give kids food to take home so that they have enough to eat over the weekend. Meals of Hope packages work very, very well in a, in a backpack program. There's six to eight meals depend, uh, in a bag, depending on which of the four meals that, uh, that we pack. And there's enough for a family to eat one dinner. A family of six, that's enough for, for their dinner. So you're providing for the whole family? Absolutely. Through Absolutely. the kid's backpack? Mm -hmm. So people, people depend on it? Well, yeah, and you know, and getting back to the question of you know, the, after that first year, when when I had the goal of packing a million meals, I remember someone coming to me and saying, "Well, okay, you've you've hit your million meals. Are you going to stop now?" And I thought, I paused for a second. I said, "Absolutely not. You know, how could I possibly stop? Because now that I know the need that's out there, and that the people that are getting our food are now relying on this food." 
that, it, you know, of course I can't stop. So since then, since that very first packing event in 2007, you know, we, we've, our first recipe was quite honestly, not a very good tasting rice meal. And we've now changed that and we actually produce four different meals. We do a, a fortified bean and rice casserole. We do a fortified macaroni and cheese meal. We do a fortified soy chicken vegetable and rice meal and a fortified cinnamon sugar diced apple oatmeal. And that appeals to, to different groups. Is a that, absolutely. Is that right? Yeah. We try to do Or they're that. even complementary. Well, it's, it's, it's both, it's both complementary and, and it appeals to different groups. So, you know, beans and rice fits so many people's ethnicity. Um, mac and cheese, you know, we try to do something really kid friendly and, and the mac and cheese does that. And it's a fortified macaroni and cheese. And what I mean by that is we have a proprietary cheese sauce that we add 21 different vitamins and minerals to it and we add protein to it so that there's, so it's a very, very healthy macaroni and cheese. So it solves hunger, but it's also nutritious. Absolutely. Because that's a problem that we have in, in, in the United States. We have a hunger issue. But we also have an obesity issue, and that's because people who really are food insecure, they're, they're going and trying to get the, they're, they're getting the cheap cal uh, calories, the, you know, the convenient calories. Bad food is cheap. Right, right. To, to eat well, to eat produce and what have you is very difficult uh, and very expensive. So we, so we make sure our food both tastes good and is, is healthy. So we did the the macaroni and cheese meal to make sure that that's good for kids. Our soy chicken vegetable and rice dinner is geared a little bit more towards seniors in the sense of the amount of vegetables that are in the uh, freeze-dried vegetables that are in the meal. And then our latest meal with the, the fortified cinnamon sugar diced apple oatmeal. You know, a lot of food banks are strugg struggle to get breakfast, you know, with food drives and what have you. But our so our oatmeal has done is doing very very well, and that's a definite need that's out there um, to try to give people breakfast items. Well, it seems like like oatmeal. I mean, it's it's kind of comfort. Same thing with the the macaroni and cheese. So, I mean, it it solves hunger, but you know at the same time it, it, it's comforting, right? It's comforting, and you know that's what it comes down to. Is from day one we found out that you know that first meal didn't taste very good, and you know it, and that's the difference between hunger in the United States and hunger overseas. If someone's starving in Africa or Haiti or, or what have you, we send millions of meals overseas, but our goal is to take care of people that are hungry locally. So and there's a dignity to that, right? Well, there's a dignity to that, but you know, what, what you also have to do is you have to make sure the food tastes good. You know, if someone's starving, truly starving, taste is the least important. All you're trying to give is, is to get nutrients into their bodies. But, you know, if, if you have a little boy or girl going to bed hungry at night and you say, well, here, have a plate of broccoli, they're still going to go to bed hungry. And so we've worked to make sure that our food tastes good so that they, they not only have choices to what, they, what they're receiving, but that we know that they're going to eat the food. Well, it sounds like you're accomplishing that mission. We are. We're having a great time doing that and literally feeding millions of people each year and giving, you know, tens of thousands of people the opportunity to give back to their community. Steve, thank you so much. I think you're a pillar of the community and keep on with your mission. I think it's important. Mark, thank you so much.